0: Oh yes, i oh, come and come and
1: I'm any
2: staying for the service and are currently drinking coffee. Would you like to come through? You can bring your coffees with you. And we'll start in a minute or two. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, do come in. Welcome everybody, Um, welcome with your cups of coffee as well. We need them on this cold winter's morning. Um, Before we start our formal service, James and Peter are going to come up and uh, give us some notices.
3: Uh, Good morning everybody, good to see see lots of people. Um, Two quick announcements. One is you might have noticed as you came in there are Christmas cards on the table at the back um, for us to distribute around the village, uh, starting kind of any time around, about now I guess, or or over the next week. So if you can help distribute the Christmas cards, that would be wonderful, Um, just to take a packet for either the street you live in, or nearby, or where you know people live. um, That would be super. Also, up until Christmas, we're going to be gifting each of the businesses here, uh, a box of chocolates with a, with a card, um, <clears throat> you know, wishing them a, a, a happy Christmas or Merry Christmas, depending on your choice, um, from Christchurch. Uh, we need quite a few more boxes of chocolates, so if you're able to bring in a box of chocolates uh, sometime during the week if you come to something like coffee in the living room, or next Sunday, that would be great, and then next Sunday we'll have a list of businesses Um, that we need the the chocolates distributed Um, to. So those are the kind of two technical things. The other thing is, if you could just pray for these two distributions. Pray for the cards, um, that people will read the message in the cards and come along to the services and and hear God's good news. Um, And and pray for the chocolates as well, as we kind of bless local businesses. So, cards and chocolates.
4: Just a, a quick thank you to John Ashton and the uh, people who came morning to decorate the trees. They look lovely, don't they? Um, and uh, the one over there I think will explain is the prayer tree. So I'll leave that just a little bit later on. Um, just one thing, really. Uh, the sad news, which I know many of you already know about, um, that our dear friend David Rauch died on Tuesday night. Um, the funeral has been arranged for... Wednesday the 13th of December at 10:45 in Church. So Wednesday the 13th, 10:45, and uh, that will be email to you. Uh, uh, but let's uh, let's pray for David's family, shall we? Uh, Father, we lift uh, David's family and friends, many of whom would count would count as friends here as friends of David. will we. We lift the family and friends of David to you, Uh, Lord, as they mourn uh, David and as they prepare for the funeral in a couple of weeks. uh, We thank you, Lord, that uh, we know David is with you now. Uh, He is at peace, and uh, Lord, he sees you face to face, uh, and it's reunited the course of Jacob. We pray your peace and your comfort to be with, with his family.
2: better? Yeah, just. I'll speak. I'll shout. (laughs) Um, So the children are going to go out and we're going to pray for them. If the children could make sure that they take one of these with them and um, write a word on it during their meeting that's um, uh, one word that they've taken from what you do today, Emma. And then when they come back, they will add it to the tree. I'll explain us adults in a minute what we're going to do. So let's pray for our our leaders and children as they go out. So Father, we pray as our children, young people, leaders go out to their groups that you will be with them. They will know your presence with them. And that their lives might be transformed this morning by the hearing of your words. And by the um, things that About and say, Amen. There we go. May God bless you as you go. And we'll see you later. Can people hear me now? Yeah, lovely. So we're going to turn to prayer. Prayer reflection, and I will guide us through the reflection, and as we come to the end of the reflection, I'm going to suggest that you choose a word that's come to you during that time, write it on the card, and then during the song that follows, you're invited if you so wish to come up and tie it to our tree in that corner, which is going to build and become our prayer tree over the next there are pens on the table already for you. So let's back carefully over this past week or few days, where did you sense God's presence or absence? Express your gratitude to God for His presence with you, for those times you felt Him especially close. times you felt you let God Ask God to be with you this coming week. As we sing this next song, the invitation is to come up and write a word or a phrase that may have spoken to you during that prayer time and tie it to the truth. you like to come up now and, and read and then Peter will bring the word.
1: from Isaiah chapter 64, beginning to read at verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways, but when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. This is the word of
2: Father, we pray for Peter as he speaks to us now. We ask that you will anoint his words, that they may speak to our hearts, and that we may know and understand more of your ways as we listen. Amen.
4: Thank you, Asha. Thank you for praying for the preacher. It's very important you pray for a preacher um, just to uh, uphold them as they speak. Um, So, first Sunday in Advent. Um, C.S. Lewis, I know I'm sure many of you have read his book, one of his books, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Uh, It's well-known, well-loved. And we all know, uh, and I imagine we know the story. But the story begins with a, uh, a group of children who are evacuated and uh, are sent to a country hu- an old country house in the middle of nowhere in England and uh, they um, are playing a game and, uh, and Lucy, one of the, one of the four, uh, ends up going into this room where there's a wardrobe and uh, she essentially finds the land of Narnia and uh, it's an amazing land, magical land, where animals talk and wonderful things are, um, happen. But it's also an enchanted land that Lucy finds because it is always winter and never Christmas. Uh, And so Narnia, of course, is in the grip of the white queen, uh, who is a a witch who's cast a spell on the land. And it's only Aslan the lion who can break the spell. Uh, Aslan is the the great lion who is the true king of Narnia, who uh, can defeat, defeat her. But Aslan has not been seen for many years. And indeed, no one in the story can remember Aslan uh, and seeing Aslan for themselves. And so they live in hope. They live in hope that Aslan will return. uh, In the hope that the old prophecy will come true. Uh, In the book, it puts it like this. Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, We shall have spring again. So if the theme of that sounds familiar, it's meant to be. C.S. Lewis is writing a children's story, a fairy tale if you like, but it's also an allegory, it's a parable, many many layers of meaning in it. And it it calls us to see our world again in a new way as we read the story. And the world we live in, it seems sometimes, doesn't it, that it's always winter, never quite Christmas. The Bible expresses that longing really powerfully, uh, never more powerfully, I think, than in these words of the prophet Isaiah. We've read just now from uh, Isaiah chapter 64, where Isaiah says, "'Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, "'that the mountains would tremble before you, "'as when fire sets twigs ablaze "'and causes water to boil, "'come down to make your name known to your enemies.' and cause a nations to quake before you. I imagine what the prophet's got in mind is a, what is called a theophany. A theophany is when God appears to his people in a dramatic, intense way. And he's probably thinking of the, the most famous theophany, which is the Mount Sinai one, where Moses meets God face to face and he receives the Ten Commandments. We've been thinking about it these last three weeks, haven't we? And then, of course, uh, Moses descends Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments are given, and then uh, the Israelites, led by Moses, uh, who they've left Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, and they watch the destruction of Pharaoh's army, and they have come at last to the mountain of God. And there, the book of Exodus tells us Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln, while the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses would speak, and God would answer him in thunder. That's what we want, isn't it? Possibly. No more still, small voice. No more little easy-to-miss signs of God's presence. But we want smoke and fire and thunder and the voice of God loud and clear. Is that what you want this season of Advent? But maybe God is saying something different as we start another new church year. Advent is, if you follow the church calendar, Advent is the start of a new church year. So here we are with a new church year. But more importantly, much more importantly than that, Advent is a time of waiting and listening and looking waiting, like you know, going like that, looking out, watching out for signs of the coming kingdom of God. Yes, we're preparing for Christmas, but this is a season in its own right. Don't rush through it. Take the time to look out for what God is doing amongst you and amongst us. And look ahead to the coming of Christ in all his glory when he will come to restore all things to himself in the new heavens and the new earth. And yet there is waiting. Isaiah says this in verse 4, if you've got it in front of you, verse 4, Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Through all time and through all eternity there is no God like our God. He is unequal. He is unrivaled in his power and majesty and authority. There is no God like our God. As we've been thinking about in the Ten Commandments series, there is no God to rival the one true God. No eye has seen, no ear has heard of any God to rival our God. He alone deserves the top place in our hearts. But notice what Isaiah says. He acts on behalf of those who wait for him. There's discipline in the waiting. There's calmness in the waiting. And Isaiah says, there's a right living in the waiting. Isaiah says, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. One of the things that Isaiah has to learn was to not give up the right living as he waited for God to act. So, who is Isaiah? Well, Isaiah is a prophet, we know, don't we, of course. Isaiah is uh, he's around and he's ministering at, uh, for about 60 years during a time of huge tumult for the people of God. And we're thinking it's 700 years before Christ. So think 700 years BC. And what's going on for the people of God at that point is that they are being pressed from the north by the Assyrians, who are a massively powerful empire, who are there, pressing down on them from, from the north and they're also being pushed up from the south by the Egyptians. And so little Israel is caught between the two of these hugely powerful empires. A little tiny, tiny nation Israel and you've got massive Assyria and hugely powerful Egypt right around. They're, they are caught in the middle of this massively uh, difficult power game that's going on around them. And so little Israel, the future doesn't look very bright. In fact, it looks for Israel like their, their nation is doomed to be annihilated. And within the little nation of, of Israel, you, you've got a lot of bad stuff going on. You've got idolatry, you've got corruption, you've got injustice. And if you, if you look at the, the Old Testament history, basically what happens is you get one king who does right, one king who does wrong. No one does right, another other king does wrong. So there's a whole series of things going on within the nation itself. And so that's why you've got the other, some of the other prophets um, Amos, Hosea, and Micah, who are contemporaries of Isaiah, who are also challenging the nation. You need to live right, they say. Because you're being pounded, about to be pounded by these nations. So you've got to hold on to your righteousness, is what they're saying to the people. Hold on. Judgment is coming, is what the prophets are saying. Judgment is coming. It's not going to come through the Assyrians. It's not going to come through the, through the Egyptians. It will come through the Babylonians, another empire, who appear who appears on, the, on the world scene. It's the Babylonians who essentially is what does it for them in the end. And that leads to the exile of the people of God into Babylon. It's unfathomable, this idea that the temple will be destroyed. How could you do this, God? They couldn't conceive of it. And yet God's judgment does come, and they are captured and taken into captivity, into exile, in 585 BC, which is about 100 years after Isaiah's died. And so Isaiah sees, watching his nation being trampled by these foreigners, these foreign powers, and so he opens his heart, his heart, in this gut-wrenching prayer. "Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down." And so Isaiah, is, you know, can hear it, can't you? His, his gut-wrenching prayer, "Oh God, why don't you come down and sort these people out? Come to our rescue. We're caught between these big, big nations. Isaiah is a man of faith. He knows God isn't a wimp. He knows God is powerful. He knows that God can wipe off anyone on of the face of the earth with his breath. And so Isaiah is praying, God, come down and, you know, make an entrance into this world. Show them how powerful you are. You know, have you ever, you know, seen a... A football team like a massively you know big football game, these the, the teams come on and they kind of there's all this hype you know going on. It's a bit like that Isaiah saying, God, come and show them how powerful you are. We've seen you do it before on Mount Sinai, come and do it again. And so he praises kind of it's like a hurry prayer. Come on, God. Quickly, come and obliterate all the evil in the world. Perhaps that's and have a prayer you've prayed already today. Come on, Lord. Hurry up. Come and do it. Perhaps that's a a prayer you've been praying a lot recently, uh, as you've been seeing on the news about what's going on in Ukraine, and of course what's going on in Israel and Gaza and Palestine. Come on, Lord. Hurry up and sort all this out. But no sooner, as he says hurry to God, it's kind of like the penny drops in his his mind. He thinks, oh, if God comes and sorts us out, he's going to sort me out. And so it's kind of like a a thought occurs to him. He said, hurry, Lord, come on, come and do this. And then he thinks, oh no, if God comes down, he's going to look at me and think, hmm, he's going to have to deal with and so there's a, there's a change in his, in his praying, and he kind of says, Halt. So he says, Hurry, and then he says, Halt. And he says this. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the winds, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. So in Isaiah, you see a transformation. thing: think, oh God, come and do it. Then, oh, no, if you come down, you're going to have to sort me out because I'm not right. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. He's realizing himself there's a reality of sin and if we're honest, we're no different. Left to our own devices, we'd rather not go and help whoever that is, person in need. We'd rather sort of go and do our own thing. Left to our own devices, we'd make ourselves look big when actually we're not that. Have you ever noticed sometimes, yeah, oh God, aren't I so great? I did that this week. I, I helped that person. I did this righteous act. Aren't I so great? And yet we realise this, this sin is still there, isn't it? We want other people to know about it too. How good we are. And so Isaiah is, is like a mirror. And he's facing us like a mirror. And he's being brutally honest, isn't he? We want, Yes, we want God to come down, sort them out. Come on, God, sort out this world. Sort out the mess. And then we pause and think, oh, actually, I'm part of the problem. I'm one of the people who's caused the mess in the first place. And there's all these difficult stuff. There's war, there's injustice, there's pollution, there's greed, there's envy. And yet God, and yet God is full of mercy, full of grace, which is what Isaiah then says, isn't it? Verses 8 and 9. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord, and do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look upon us as we pray, for we are all your people. They're hopeful words, aren't they? Beautiful words. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter, we are the work of your hands. Even as we live lives that aren't perfect, we know God is our Father. He loves us. We are his children. He doesn't leave us as broken, but he picks us up and he moulds us into something beautiful, into a piece of art that reflects his glory in the world. J. John said in one of his talks, he he said we are broken people, but we are broken people who are leaning on Jesus as he puts us back together. And yet we still struggle with sin, don't we? This, This sin, it kind of almost like sucks out the goodness of us and makes us like dry clay that will crumble in God's hands. And so what God does, he makes us pliable, you know, like clay. You've got to make clay pliable to do something with it. So God, what God does is, when we are baptized, it's as if we are pliable. In the waters of baptism, we become pliable in God's hands. He can mould us into someone, something beautiful as he breathes his life into us fashions us into his likeness. And so that's why Christians down the ages have often said, it's, it's felt like I'm being worked upon. That God is working on me. He's working over me. Working in me. That's because God is working us to fashion us into something beautiful as his children. And so Isaiah uses this, the image of the potter you know, he's trimming off bits. He's the unwanted bits. He's he's getting rid of. He's shaping us into something useful and beautiful and lovely. And yes, he puts us through fiery trials. Now, I'm not a potter. I, you know, I've watched people do this, but you know, the, as as it, as it comes into that the fiery kiln, that's when the beauty really happens. As that clay pot becomes amazingly shiny. So I wonder, what is God moulding in you, working in you, as we begin this Advent, this time of preparation? And I wonder if you see the deep truths in this passage of Scripture in Isaiah. Do you see how they apply to me and you today? Written so long ago, but still so, so, so relevant and alive. God shows us, Isaiah shows us, that we need to pray in the waiting. We need to pray and pray and keep on praying as we are waiting and hoping and working and watching for the signs for signs of the coming kingdom of God. So if you want to boil it all down, Isaiah prays three big things. Three big things. He says, come Lord, forgive us Lord, help us Lord. Those are big prayers, but they are good prayers this event. Come Lord. Pour out your Holy Spirit, Lord, upon us so that we might serve you and love you and listen and care for those around us. That we will reflect your glory just a little bit in this world. Come into situations in the hearts of those we are are longing for you to break into. Come, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, forgive us, Lord, for our apathy, our complacency, for our being ashamed to be known as yours for living in a way that leads others away from you and not towards you forgive us lord and help us lord help us to shine like the stars in this dark world for your glory for Isaiah there was 700 years of waiting of course he died and yet his prayers were answered 700 years later his prayers were answered because it, at the coming of Jesus, at his baptism, the heavens were torn open and the, and the, 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 the dove, the, the spirit of God, descended. This is my son. Listen to him. Come, Lord. <laughs> his prayer was answered. Forgive us, Lord. The cross is where God forgives us, isn't it? When Jesus went to the cross, he brought forgiveness. And then help us, Lord. Jesus sent the Spirit, his Spirit, to help us live lives, to glorify God day by day, today. We can pray those prayers as we wait. Come, Lord, forgive us, Lord, help us, Lord. Only the Father knows the final reckoning. Only the Father knows when he will come, when Jesus will come in all his glory to judge the world. And so we wait and we hope. We wait and hope in our troubles. Uh, I've I've asked for the song Waymaker to be played after my talk. (coughs) And the song Waymaker has these, these, these lyrics in it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. So what are you hoping for? What are you praying for in this time of waiting? Bring it to God. Ask him to draw near to you in the waiting. Ask him to work in you as you wait. The waiting can be active. God is always working, often in ways you can't see, can't perceive. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen, any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And so I'll finish by reading this reading in the message version. And then we'll have that song played. Oh, that you'd rip open the heavens and descend, make the mountains shudder at your presence. As when a forest catches fire, as when fire makes a pot to boil, to shock your enemies into facing you, make the nations shake in their boots. You did terrible things that we never expected. You descended and made the mountains shudder at your presence. Since before time began, no one else has ever imagined. No eye, sorry, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who who works for those who waits for him. You meet those who happily do what is right, who keep a good memory of the way you work. But how how angry you've been with us who sinned and kept at it so for so long. Is there any hope for us? Can we be saved? We're all sin infected, we're sin contaminated. Our best efforts are grease-stained rags. We drive like autumn leaves, sin-dried, we're blown off by the wind. No one prays to you or makes the effort to reach out to you because you've turned away from us, left us to stew in our sins. And yet still, God, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. All of us are what you made us. Don't be too angry with us, God. Don't keep a permanent account of wrongdoing. Keep in mind, please, we are your people. All of us. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for sending Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that you sent us out into this world to glorify your Son. Glory to his name.
2: for those dark places and those places which need that light in the darkness. I'm going to suggest we try something slightly different for our prayer time. Um, I'm going to suggest that we gather together in groups of three or four, and then I will suggest one of four topics, and you might like to, in your small group, just pray for that topic. If you would prepare to sit and pray alone then. Please do. Don't feel any compulsion. So if you'd like to just gather together in in small groups so we can pray together, then uh, please find your colleagues now. So firstly, let's pray for those areas of our world which are experiencing conflict and war, Uh, remembering Ukraine and Gaza, but there are other areas as well. So let's spend a few minutes praying together for those. moving on, let's pray for those we know who need God's healing touch on their lives, for those who are grieving or in need. Then for the climate conference, for the world leaders, the decisions they made, and the implementation of those decisions. When when you're ready to move on, let's pray for our church community, for our friends and family. Let's draw our prayers together by saying the Lord's Prayer together. And it won't be on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And Sue is going to lead us in a, a final song as the children come back in. So if you'd like to stand, if you're able, and join together in singing, Tell Out My Soul. My soul, Ian. Thank you. Oh, we can sing Light of the World again, it's a, it'll bear a repetition. <laughs> no. Shall we sing Light of the World again? Yes. So we'll just get the music ready. While she does that, do you want to bring the offering up for moment? Would like to tell us what they've been doing, and the children would like to tie their prayers to the tree. That would be What? One, two. I think it's working now. <laughs> we bring to you you, thank you, that's wonderful. In true Blue Peter style, <laughs> we could all have a go at making our own nativity scenes, couldn't we, over the next few days and weeks. Um, and uh, lovely to have the children singing as well. So to close our service, let's say this prayer together that, here we go, stir up our hearts, O oh Lord to make ready for the way of your only Son, so that by his coming we may worship you with pure minds, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and for ever. Amen. And may the blessing of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So. And of our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit, be with you all and remain with you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve our Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.